Hey you guys, hope you're well. I just wanted to take this opportunity and let you know about our amazing new business scalability scorecard. So have you ever wondered if, you've, if you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, and you want to grow and scale the business but not sure how, and you're looking for some advice and you're looking for some strategies about how you could effectively grow and scale your business, well, this is your opportunity. We have actually created an amazing uh, business scalability scorecard. It takes you around seven to eight minutes, and at the end of that, it will actually create a report of all of the things that you're doing particularly well in and the things that you need to make improvements to your business. And uh, it's a great tool and a great asset for your business. To get free access to that, go to bit.ly forward slash business hyphen scalability hyphen scorecard. Go there, go now. Take care, see you soon. This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And today, we have a slightly different show. We have someone very, very interesting, and he was recommended by a good friend of mine, and his name is Jim Rogers. Now, if you don't know who Jim is, well, Jim is, is, is American. He's a very successful investor, believe it or not. He currently lives in Singapore. He's uh, multiple, uh, written multiple books. We'll talk about those books uh, during the interview as well. He's an adventurer, which is what we were talking about, actually, offline, love about fun and adventure. Now... Jim has appeared in many different publications from Time Magazine, Forbes Magazine, The Wall Street Journal, The Washington Post, you name it, Jim's been in it. Jim is also a three times Guinness World Record holder. He's bicycled or motorcycled. I believe it was uh, uh, around the world back in the uh, uh, early 90s, but he's also driven around the world as well in a custom-made Mercedes, which is a great story in itself with his partner. He co-founded Quantum Fund back in sort of the uh, 70s and stuff and had a great, some great results with that, uh, which again, we'll, we'll kind of talk about that as well. And, you know, what I love about Jim's personality when I was doing some research on him is just kind of the fact of the matter is that he comes across in a really fun, adventurous personality but then there's this kind of seriousness side of stuff and he's kind of blended that into two so Jim welcome to the show Adam I'm delighted to be here and yes I'm in the Guinness Book of Records three times but Adam I want you to know it doesn't pay the rent my mother <laughs> liked it my mother was very proud of it but it doesn't pay the rent I assure you definitely not no I agree very good. So um, anyway, it's interesting. You've got a really interesting background because, I mean, you started off uh, with regards to your first business at the age of five. I think it was selling peanuts or maybe it was before that. I don't know, selling bottles or whatever it is. But tell us a little bit about how did you what where was where did this appetite come from? Was it from your parents? Was it from your great grandparents? What did you learn from that? Well, Adam, 
we would all probably be in jail now if we tried to do that. But when I was living in a very <laughs> small, small town in the backwoods of nowhere, the lady said, okay, I'll pay you to pick up the bottle. So I said, okay. And then the next year when I was six, I started my own and I had four-year-olds and five-year-olds working for me at the <laughs> baseball game. I assure you, we would all be in jail if we did something like that now, but it was so far in the backwoods, nobody cared, nobody noticed, but it was, I, I was making money. I was quite happy to be making money. And it was, a, it was fun and a success. Where did you, where, where did you learn that from, Jim? Was that, was that from like parents or what was, where did the big ideas come from when you were young? Well, that first lady when I was five just said, I need somebody to pick up the bottles at the baseball games. Uh, and I'll pay you. And I said, okay, I'll do it. I, what did I know? I was five years old. Uh, so it came from her, it came from an old lady who was exploiting child labor, me. Uh, but I was delighted to be exploited. I thought it was fun and, and I loved making money. How did I know? I was five years old, Adam. Uh, but it turned into a success and I learned the value of money. I learned that money didn't fall out of the sky. I learned you had to earn it. You had to work for it to get it. And, and it all worked. Very good. Um, really interesting, that is. Now, you're originally from Alabama. And, you can, and you've still got your southern accent uh, from Alabama. I believe that's what you, you know, because I've got a lot of friends over in, uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, and kind of Florida and stuff like that. So you can, I, can, I can kind of pick that up. But you you reside in in Singapore now, which is uh, I'm I'm interested to find out why you left the U.S. I mean, there must be huge opportunities in the U.S. and whatever it is. But how what what's the big story behind that? Well, no, I was having a fabulous time. I I, I drove around the world twice, and that was fabulous as well. And mm. I was looking for adventure. I, I I retired when I was 37 because I wanted adventure. I didn't want to wake up one day when I was 85, you know, get hit by a bus in New York, still going to Wall Street every day. I wanted to have adventure, so, so I did. Uh, but then uh, in part of those adventures, I learned that China's on the rise and China was going to be great. So I used to write and lecture and write that, and broadcast that everybody should teach their children and grandchildren Mandarin. And then I had one. Oh my God, now what do I do? So we... In the end, we moved to Singapore so that my children would grow up knowing Asia, which is going to be the most important part of the world in their lifetime. And so they would speak Mandarin. So far, so good. You can ask me in 30 years if it was successful or not, but so far, so good. Very good. And I mean, so you've lived in Singapore for, you said 30 years, right? No, no, I've lived here since uh, 2007. Okay, permanently, cool. Two, permanently since 2007. Right, right, right. So um, I want to start off with um, you, you. You're all about adventure and fun. I really want to kind of dip into that because that that to me is just that that to me kind of made me a little bit more attracted to how you are and not just some investment banker type of thing. And tell us a little bit about your experience. Why? I mean, you cycled, bicycle, uh, motorcycled in the early '90s around the uh, across the world. Um, I mean, and you, I mean, you must have discovered so many different things. What was the, I mean, you mentioned about the importance of adventure and fun and things like that. Was you an avid motorcyclist? What did you discover? And what did you, I mean, who did you come into contact? What was your first experience about that? 
Well, I'd had uh, scooters since I was 14 and I liked it. I knew that motorcycles were a lot of fun. And I had a motorcycle when I lived in New York and loved it. And I, I don't know why, ever since I was young, I said, I want to go around the world on a motorcycle. Lo and behold, Adam, I did it. Who knew? I should have listened to a lot of the things I said when I was young, but some of them came true. And it was a lot of fun. It was a great adventure. Uh, I motorcycled many places uh, before that. But the ultimate goal, I drove across China, which nobody had done. They made a movie of it, a, a, a documentary of it. Mm. You know, all of these things. I wanted to go around the world on a motorcycle. I mean, it was obviously a little bit nuts. I remember I once said to a guy, a bishop, the Bishop of New York, in fact, he said, and I said to him, well, everybody thinks I'm crazy. And he said, He's the only person who said, I think it's fabulous. I wish I could go with you. But everybody would say things like, why don't you fly? What's wrong with you? Why don't you fly around the world? I wanted adventure and I wanted to see the world close to the ground. Mm. Love it. Now, when you, so I know that you, or like you mentioned about getting a custom made Mercedes built, you know, which was back in sort of, well, the late nineties, right, where you drove across the world with with your with your wife now, who's your wife, and um, and I mean, you started off in Iceland, and then you 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 kind of navigated around the world. What were what, what, what during that adventure, um, Jim? What were, what was the biggest fears for you? Did you have any fear, and what was kind of the risks and and and, and things like that? Well, I was always afraid I wouldn't make it. You know, you, most people or many people who try this either get killed or they don't make it. They go home, they get injured, something happens. I mean, I ran into people talking about, talking a lot about this sort of thing. But mm. Adam, very few people that I ever ran into actually made it around. It's not that easy. You know, it's not that easy to drive from London to Manchester, much less to drive around the world. But for whatever reason, Obviously, I was worried that we were going to get killed, and so I was careful. I didn't want to get killed. Uh, it, but if I did get killed, I at least was going to die happy. It wasn't as I was going to get hit by a bus in New York City or something. I was going to die happy. Fortunately, I didn't die. But unfortunately, we had a lot of fun. Uh, I was held hostage in Africa for nine days once, et cetera, et cetera. You know, crossing the Sahara Desert is not easy. I can go on and on with adventures that are not so easy. But I'm alive and delighted that we did it. What was the, um, um, you mentioned about, so, so with regards to your adventures and things like that, um, you, you, you said that you, you, you did it, obviously, which is great. But my, 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 I suppose what I wanted to kind of delve into is how did you specifically take the what you'd learn about the risks and the fears around you know because there's a huge amount whether it be war hostilities uh whether it be like you mentioned around being captured and stuff like that going into uncharted territory and whatever it is did you have to also do a lot of preparation as well with regards to knowing where to go and what to do well, there's not much preparation you can do. You have to get visas, but even visas, you can't get a year in advance or two years in advance. So <laughs> most visas we had to get on the road. And you want, I wanted to avoid wars uh, and I wanted to go where there were roads. So you never knew where the wars were gonna be though. Yeah, if you set out on January 1st of any year, 
you don't know where the wars are going to be a year later, two years later. Wars are always popping up out of the blue. So you have to be attentive, to be careful about that, to blizzards, wars, epidemics. I mean, all these things are out there, Adam. All you got to do is you get on a motorcycle, you'll find them. The wars will find you. The, the gorillas will find you. The black market will find you. Everybody will find you. Uh, but we found them too. You know, whenever I got to a city, the first place I would do is go to the police and park my motorcycle or my car with the police to make sure that we didn't get destroyed. Uh, no, there were many things, many preparations we made. All I can tell you is here I am, I'm alive. We made it. Many people don't make it. Love it. Love it. Um, was that during your travels, actually, was there, has there ever been a time where you ever came across someone that was a real interest to you that you've that gave you a little bit of a different perspective on life um i don't know where, whether it be someone from an aboriginal tribe or or anyone like that or an entrepreneur or an investor where you thought wow this this person they're really interesting all of the above all of the above and more uh i we tried to stay in the best hotel in town but often the best hotel in town was a barnyard you know or just a shack uh, but no matter where you were, and I, I was not that keen to go see government officials. I mean, I've met enough government officials in my day. <laughs> I know what they're going to say. Adam, I can say it better than they can. You know, <laughs> I, I've talked to so many of these people over the years. Um, but you go to the bad parts of town, if they're bad parts of town, whatever you do, if you go out, if you cross a border, in the jungle or in the desert, I assure you that right there is the beginning of an adventure. You immediately find out if there's a black market because if there is a black market, the black market finds you. The black market says, ah, look at that. Look at that, foreigners, let's go get them. You always find plenty. Yeah, I met many, many interesting people, some of whom I'm still somewhat in touch with, some of whom we met later uh, in life. But they were all, even the guy who held me hostage in, for, in the Congo, mm. you know, he, he was the police chief, by the way. Uh, <laughs> he, held us hostage. Uh, he took us to dinner. He took us to the restaurant. He took us to his house for dinner. Wow. You know, basically, he, basically, he wanted money. Uh, he was an interesting person. I mean, we weren't locked up or anything. We couldn't leave. I mean, he was the police chief. <laughs> no way to get this is in the middle of the jungle. No way to get out of there. But in the end, we convinced we didn't have any money. He took us down to the railroad, put us on a flat car and said, go and don't come back. Because he knew that he could be liable for, for the experience. Lots of things. Wow. Fantastic. Um, interesting. I just kind of thought of a, a really um, an interesting question for me is how did you like with all the fear and risk of adventure and fun and things like that, how do you apply that principle to the investment world? Because that's what you're really known for. There must be a lot of, I suppose, um, correlations between how you weigh up risk and, and also with investment, how does that in relation to what you, what you, what you had a lot of success in any thoughts there? 
Well, uh, one of the things I learned in the investment world early was I look down before I look. In other words, I look to see if I can lose money and how I can lose money and how I would lose money before I start dreaming about how much money I'm going to make. We all want to get rich next week. We all dream about that, but I learned pretty quickly, wait a minute, you better see how much you're going to lose first and make sure you're not going to lose money. And if you're pretty sure you're not going to lose money, if something's cheap enough and you've done enough research, then maybe you will be successful. And that obviously applied to going around the world. I told you the first thing we did when we got to a place was go to the police station. Mm. And police were always very surprised, but uh, you know they didn't. We just said we just want to park here for the evening because uh, obviously we thought that would be a fairly safe place to be, and that went on and on. When I crossed the border, I always went to the local bank to get some money because because there are lots of counterfeits out there, lots mm. of counterfeits, and I had to make sure that we weren't you know getting duped by some counterfeit guy. No, there are lots of things you have to worry about. Vaccinations, yes, you have to get vaccinations. You might die and not even know it. <laughs> this isn't, Adam, this is not driving from Stockholm to Copenhagen. I sure. assure you. That's it's complicated. That's complicated right now, trust me. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Well, I will say it's a lot more fun and it's certainly you need to be prepared because you never, you know, when I wake, when I woke up in New York and I went out the front door, didn't matter if I was going left, right, or straight, I more or less knew what was going to happen. Every day when I woke up, I never knew what was going to happen to me. Five minutes later, 10 minutes later, I could be dead. I could find a, a goddess. I could find the most extraordinary sight in the world. Who knew? Who, and that was what was, that was part of the excitement. That was the adventure. It was never a dull moment. Love it. Very cool. Um, now, one thing that um, one thing that really came into my head was, you know, with about a lot of our listeners who are entrepreneurs, some are, some of them are investors, some of them are business owners, and so one of the things that really came into my mind, I mean, you've been in the investment world for pretty much all your life. So you know how to deal with the emotional and mental aspect of when it comes to winning and losing, right? Because that's what it's down to, right? How do you, what advice do you have for people that really, that, that really struggle with the emotional and mental side of stuff, especially when it comes to winning and losing the game? Well, first Adam, I want you to know I made plenty of mistakes in my life. Lots of mistakes. You want to hear about my first wife? Let's oh, do that. What, what a horrible mistake that was. Oh my gosh. And you know, when, when we split, I was unhappy. I thought it was bad. I ran into her by accident not long ago and I am so glad, so glad I'm just still married to her. Oh my gosh. So one can learn from one's mistakes. One should learn from one's mistakes because I'm not very smart, so I have to learn from my mistakes. You know, some people are smart, just get it right the first time. But for me, I learned from my mistakes. And in the beginning, when I was on Wall Street, I just assumed everybody was there. They were older, they were more experienced and educated. I soon found out they didn't know any more than I did. <laughs> I realized I had to, do, I couldn't just listen to other people. I had to do a lot of research, a lot of homework, if I was going to be successful, and even then I could make mistakes. 
So this is, I mean, everybody looks at the television, the newspapers, and they say, oh, this is easy. I could have bought Apple. Ha, huh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> why didn't you then? You know, why didn't you buy Apple, et cetera? No, it's not that easy. It's a hard way to make a living. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, it's not like everybody. Um, I absolutely agree. You, you know, it's interesting. I um, was speaking with a good friend of mine. We, we did like a, a summit, a virtual summit last year. And one of the chaps who, he, he's very successful at investing as well. Probably not so much as, as you compared to you, what your success is, but he's had quite a few. But he, um, he teaches a lot of investors around the whole kind of, um, when I think of investment, Jim, um, I also see it, do you see it as a, from a gambling perspective, right? Because it's like you, you put money in, but then, you know, what do I do? What control do I have type of thing? And do you know what I mean? So I, I don't know, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, if, if people are really using it as a vehicle to create wealth in the wrong ways, what sort of yeah, advice do you have? Adam, the first thing I would say to you is if you look at it as gambling, you should not be doing it. Not yet, because if you want to gamble, go down to the casino. That's pure gambling. Uh, if you look at the casino, you know the odds are in their favor. Mm -hmm. Somebody paid for that building. Somebody paid for all those acts, et cetera, et cetera. But if you think of investing as gambling, please do not do it. It's hard work. And if you want to be successful, you don't listen to me. You don't listen to hot tips. Everybody wants a hot chip. Everybody wants to be weak, this, rich this week. Well, I want to be rich this week too, but I know that hot chips are a disaster and you better stay away from them. If you want to be successful, you just stay with what you know. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to the television. Just everybody watching this knows a lot about something out of whether it's sports or fashion or cars, something. Stay with what you know. You will see something changing. You will see something that's going to succeed long before I will. I don't care about cars. I don't care about fashion. But you do. You look at it every day. That's what you read about. You turn on the internet. That's what you look at. So when you see something that you know is going to be great, you do some research, and then you buy the stock. And then, Adam, you call me. Okay, I'll do my research. <laughs> I'll do my research too. I'll check it too. Love it. But I mean, if you, I mean, if I told you you could only have twenty investments in your life, you'd be very careful. You wouldn't be jumping in and out, hopping around all the time. You'd be very methodical, patient, and that's how you would be successful. It's boring. You're going to say, "Well, all right, you want to be successful? You want to be rich? Be boring. Be boring." <laughs> And don't worry about it. Other people won't think you're boring when you get very rich and successful. You know, it's interesting because I'm uh, now you've got two daughters which are grown up. I'm also a father of four, by the way. Um, yeah, I'm still very young. Um, anyway, <laughs> as you do. But one of the things that came to my mind actually is is like school education around you know their school education system about teaching us about money. Why is it that we're not taught about money? I don't get it. Like what money and wealth is so important to us, right? Like you're, you preach about it and entrepreneurship, whatever vehicle it is that you take, but why is it that the school system, why doesn't it, why isn't it, it feels like it's back in the, the 1890s that we're still teaching a system that does, doesn't work. 
That's very, very insightful. We both know many lives, marriages, families that have been ruined by people because they didn't understand money. They couldn't handle money. They didn't know about money. Uh, I, the schools, I'm sure they wouldn't do a better job. I mean, I can remember when I was at 12 or something, we had a course about something, uh, but it didn't teach me about money. I learned about money because I didn't have any money. <laughs> and I learned how hard it was to get it. And I learned if you spend it, then what do you do? Uh, one of the first things I did with my children was I got them piggy banks because I wanted them when they got money to know that money is to be saved and eventually to be invested. Many people get money and they run down to the store and they buy ice cream or they buy a doll or whatever it is. Well, I didn't want my, my children to grow up thinking, ah, I have money, now let's go spend it. I wanted them to grow up thinking, ah, I have money, I have to go put it in the bank. And they did. Uh, again, I don't know, we'll know in a few years if I did it right or not, but that was important to me that they learned you better save it. You can always spend it and waste it later if you want to, if you have any, if you have some left, but it's hard to get. When my daughter turned 14, I told her she had to get a job. Uh, I thought she was going to go to McDonald's and, and make $8 an hour. She's a lot smarter than I am, Adam. She went and got a job teaching Chinese, making $30 an hour. Damn. You know? <laughs> That's what I said. That's what I said. And she was complaining. I'm in the wrong she, business. <laughs> well, the grown-ups make $70 an hour. So she thought she should make what they make. Wow. Uh, but, I mean, I wanted both of them. And the other one, when she turns 14, I've told her, you got to get a job. Uh, so I, I had a job when I was young. And you know, I started when I was five. I learned a lot about life and about money and it's important. And I know that whether we like it or not, we better know about money because it's not going to fall out of the sky. And yeah. if it does fall out of the sky, you better save it and not go spend it. <laughs> so there's no such thing as the money tree, by the way, guys, it doesn't, you know, there, there's no such thing as that, even though there might be books written about it, it doesn't exist. Wouldn't that be wonderful if there were? Oh, we're, Adam, we're, that would be so wonderful if there were money trees. Maybe, maybe we should come up with a new business, Jim. How to how to create your own money tree, right? Literally, like, I think we'd have lots of customers. Anyway, we're just, <laughs> we'll keep researching. Adam, what we can do, what we can do is we can sell seeds for money trees. There we go. You know? Just like send us, send us your money and you'll get seeds for a money tree. <laughs> like Jack and the Beanstalk. For. You remember that story, yeah. Jack and the Beanstalk? <laughs> I remember it extremely well. I also know if we did it out, we'd be in jail pretty quickly. Pretty exactly, exactly. Anyway, um, I guess my my um, next question was all around. We're in a well, it's strange times right now with the uh, economy up and down all over the world, which is really interesting. However, I believe there are lots of opportunities in the market. Okay. And, and you probably agree with me. What advice do you have for investors in relation to what to invest and what to avoid? What will you be looking for? I've already told you, don't listen to me. Maybe you can listen to Adam Strong, but don't listen to me. Stay with what you know. You know, you're talking about what's going on in the world. It's interesting. The Asian languages, Chinese, Korean, and Japanese, they all have a word. Uh, it's exactly the same character in all three languages. It's obviously pronounced differently, but it, it means catastrophe and opportunity are the same thing. And that's one of the first things that I remember I learned 
the hard way. Uh, but normally, if there's a disaster and you see the front page or whatever, and you say, oh my God, this is terrible. Well, then think the next step. Let's suppose that there's a great tsunami. Well, that's horrible. It's a disaster or an earthquake. On the other hand, it also leads to opportunities. And by the way, you're not going in there exploiting somebody. The people where the earthquake was, they want somebody to come and invest and help them, help them recover. So you are helping them and you're helping yourself if you think it through and do careful research. Uh, these Asian civilizations have been around a lot longer than we have and they know catastrophe and opportunity can be and often are the same thing. We don't have the word, we don't have the word in English yet. We'll have it, we'll have it someday, but we don't have it now. Very cool. Um, in terms of, you know, if some of our listeners that are listening in and they're kind of at the beginning of, or they're looking at to get into potentially investing, and you've mentioned about research, you mentioned about doing due diligence, what what advice would you have for the, the more big, more kind of, voice investors uh, in terms of like where to get started if they was to choose investing as a vehicle? Well, <clears throat> I want to be boring again, Adam. <laughs> Stay with what you know. Uh, if you know cars, you will know long before I will when somebody's going to come out with a great new carburetor or tires or mm. engines or highways or hotels or whatever. You'll know it long before I will. You'll know what's going to work on the market. And if you do that, then you do some research. You do things like, okay, are the people honest? Are they smart? Do they have a lot of debt? Do they have a lot of competition? I mean, many things you would, you would probably figure out. If you didn't figure it out yourself, you will, the market will teach you pretty quickly. Uh, <clears throat> you will know, ah, this new car is going to be a great seller. And you will know, but you will also know when the Koreans are going to come in with a competitor that's cheaper. <laughs> You'll know everything. You'll know when to sell. You'll know when to sell long before I would. You will know when to buy long before I would. Sure. You'll also know when to sell long before I would. And you might own it for years because you will know so much about it that you'll know if it's working, how long it's going to work, and then you'll know when to sell. Mm. I mean, I, I wish I could tell you that this is easy. I wish I, I used to be a professor at times and the kids would always say, give us the easy answer. <laughs> Which chapter? Which chapter should we read? I said, listen, there is no chapter six that's got the answer. There is no page 37. This is long and complicated and hard, but everybody wants the simple answer. Everybody wants the hot tip. Adam, I've been around long enough to know. And I have also learned that if I just mention a company, some people go by, they won't have a clue. I was once, I just once had a TV show in Europe with a guy, with two of us, the call-in kind of show. And I was once talking about on that show, Mexico fund is going to collapse. This is going to be a disaster. We talked about why. Lo and behold, two weeks later, Mexico fund collapsed because Mexico collapsed. Some guy called in and said, and the, and the guy and I were talking about it. Uh -huh. And the guy called in, Jim Rogers is a jerk. He's a jackass. I bought Mexico Fund. I heard him talking about Mexico Fund and I heard him talking about it. My partner and I both sat there stunned because I had been explaining it was going to collapse and I was selling it short. 
the guy just heard Jim Rogers said Mexico fund, so he bought it. I mean, that's what I, I'm very, very leery of saying any names now, because I know that, oh my gosh, there's a huge group out there that just want the hot tip, they want the instant answer, and there is no instant answer. You know, it's interesting, you know, everyone's looking for that shortcut, like you said, and they're looking for that kind of magic secret source, and, you know, there isn't any shortcuts to successful in investment banking or it doesn't really matter the fundamentals but you, you've just pointed out it this is exactly the same and and i think that's really that's a really good point i think you make now this is an interesting point actually what as people in the world right now what can we do to protect our wealth you know, money and wealth, you know, and people losing their jobs and whatever it is, but what can we do to protect our wealth? Would you say, go invest in, go save your money in the bank? Would you say, what, 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 what's your take on this? If you don't know anything to invest in, if you don't know something that you yourself put your money in the bank, Adam, it's better to learn, earn 1% a year than to lose four or 5% a year. True. You don't believe you try it, try it for a while. And just wait, you know, the, the, if you want to be really rich, just sit and wait, wait until you see money over there in the corner, lying over there on the floor. And all you have to do is go over there and pick it up. Cause you know, it's, it's going to work. Uh, it's a sure thing. I don't want to use that term. There's no such thing as a sure thing, but you see, oh my gosh, look, I know that's going to be great. And when you see that money lying in the corner, do your research, make sure you're right. I tell you, check the things, are the people honest? Is there a lot of debt? Is there a lot of competition? All the normal things and questions that I think any halfway competent person would ask if somebody, if somebody knocks on your door tonight and says, I've got a hot sure thing for you, you would probably say, well, who are you? <laughs> you know, you do some research. Probably, I hope you'd call the police and tell him there's somebody, there's a crazy person here. But if you didn't call the police, you would ask some questions. You know, who are you? How do you know? Blah, blah, blah. And some of the things I'm doing now is, you know, stock markets, the U.S. stock market has been going up for since 2009, the longest in American history. So I'm looking in other countries, mm -hmm. Russia, China, places that haven't been going up every day for the last 12 years. There are opportunities in many places in the world. Just today, I was looking at Namibia. I'm going to go look at Namibia tonight. Namibia. Um, after I get to, after I finish Where? talking to you. I mean, I may not do anything. That's interesting. I was just thinking I, Namibia. Where, I was like, where, where is that? Is that in Africa? It's in Africa, right? It is. Yes. It's very good. It's in Southwest Africa. But... Adam, if, if you don't know any more about Namibia than that, please do not exactly. invest in Namibia. <laughs> yes, for goodness sakes. Don't say, I heard somebody on the television talking about Namibia. I'm going to invest. <laughs> do not, do not, do not. I told you about the guy. I, told, I said, Mexico is going to collapse. He went and bought it. He didn't pay attention to what I said. He just heard Crazy. the word Mexico. Crazy. So be careful. I, I see problems developing in the world. Silver. Silver is down 50% from its all-time high. Mm. Uh, I'm not buying it now, but if an, an opportunity comes along, because the world is coming back to inflation, 
oh my gosh, we print staggered. Never in world history have governments printed so much money and borrowed so much money. Well, that has mm. always led to inflation and it looks like it will again. Mm. A way to protect yourself is to own silver. At least it has been historically. Sugar's down 70% from its all-time high. Mm. But many people would say, oh my gosh, down 70%. I don't want to buy that. <laughs> when I hear that, I say, oh, down 70%. That's an possibly an opportunity. Maybe. Uh, possibly an opportunity. Remember, disaster and opportunity go hand in hand. Mm. So I'm looking for things, ways to protect myself if inflation is coming, which I suspect it is, and owning real assets, whether it's silver or sugar or oil, whatever, has been historically a way to protect yourself. Love it. Very good. Some great advice there. Um, digital currencies. Now, I, I think I, <laughs> I read something about you wish you'd invested Bitcoin in many, many, many years ago. Um, but I guess, how do you think digital currency is going to affect our normal currencies of the day-to-day -day running? Do you think it's going to devalue it? Do you think it's going to increase it? Do you think it's going to complement it? What's your thoughts on this? And of course, I wish I, I wish I'd bought IBM in 1914. <laughs> Microsoft in 1985. Anything that's gone up a lot. I wish I had bought. I wish I bought Apple. You know, in 1995. Yes, anything that goes through the roof. Uh, I am somewhat skeptical of digital currencies. Yes, they've been great for the people who bought them at the right time. I know people who have made a lot of money, but I also know that hundreds of them have already disappeared mm. and gone to zero. So be careful. Uh, now there, are, I'm told, thousands of digital currencies. They can all be. They cannot all be IBM. I assure you, they cannot all be uh, Apple. So be very careful. But my basic view is, well, first, I know we're going to have computer money. You know, you cannot take a taxi in China with money. You have to have your computer money. You cannot buy an ice cream with money. You have to have your money on your computer. China's way ahead of the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. But all countries, nearly all countries, are working on computer money, including the U.S. It's my view. And, and it's going to be on the computer. Governments love that. Mm -hmm. Partly because it's cheaper and more convenient, but also because they know everything you do. They will know if you've had too much tea this month. They will call <laughs> you up. Mr. Strong, you've been drinking too much coffee this month. Please cut down on your coffee. They'll know everything you do. And my gosh, they love that. I mean, I hate it, but they love it. No, that so, scares the hell out of me. I don't know about you. That scares the hell out of me. Of course it does. As I said, they're going to know everything you do and who you do it with and where you do it. Mm -hmm. You know, no, of course I don't want to. Who are they? I don't want them knowing anything about me. Um, but that's what's going to happen. That's why they love it. First of all, it's cheaper. They don't have to print it, transport it, protect it. It's much cheaper. So they love that. But it, reason, the main reason they, they come on, Adam, these are bureaucrats. They want to control everything. Course. including how much tea you've been drinking so it's all <laughs> going to be on but my view is that if it becomes successful as currencies and the advocates say it's going to be it's going to replace uh, money my view is that if it becomes successful as money the governments are going to say no you got to use our money governments like their monopoly they like their control i don't think that if the u.s says okay this is u.s dollars now it's all on your computer. But if you want to use 
that money over there. You can use that money. That's not the way these guys think. That's not, that's not who they are. That's not their mentality. Mm -hmm. They want to control you and, and have, have complete monopoly. Mm -hmm. So my view, if it becomes successful, if any of them do, the governments will either outlaw them or put in other controls or, or some kind of regulations so that they maintain their monopoly. They don't want to give you control, Adam, as much as they love you. They don't want to give you the control. They want it. True. Love it. Some good, some good points that. Um, now, I want to, I asked my, uh, my friend who recommended you on the show, actually, I asked him if there was one question that you could ask Jim, what would it be? So this is it, right, Jim? He said to me, do you believe the US dollar will be the main reserve currency in the next five years? Throughout here, you, you sound English. I know you're not in England right now, but uh, you know, throughout <laughs> history, we've had many currencies have been the world's reserve currency or medium of exchange. None of them lasted more than 100 years, 150 years. French franc, Spanish peseta, Dutch gilder, pound sterling, you know, they all made mistakes and lost their position. The U.S. has been there for a few decades now. Uh, I mean, I don't like what I'm about to say because I'm an American, but we have China. America is the largest debtor nation in the history of the world now. We have military forces in over 100 countries. Some of these things would indicate that maybe we're becoming overextended, just like the British did, just like the French did. And maybe our run at the top is coming to an end. Uh, so to answer your friend's question, I own dollars right now. Uh, I own dollars because I expect there to be some more problems. And when there are problems, people look for a safe haven and they think the U.S. dollar is a safe haven. It's not. I told you it's the largest detonation in the history of the world, but people think of it as a safe haven. So I'm expecting one more big run when the next turmoil comes. And that may be the last for the U.S. dollar because many countries now are already looking for something to compete. You know, the way it's supposed to work, if you're the international medium of exchange, you, you can use it, it's neutral. Use it anywhere for anything. But now if Washington gets angry at you, they put sanctions on you and say you cannot use the dollar. Well, that's not a neutral international medium of exchange. So many countries are looking now to find something to compete with the US dollar. And that's for political reasons so the, and the economic reasons. It's with the largest debtor nation in world history. So there are economic reasons to look for a replacement. And back to history, they've all lost their position eventually. He said five years. I, it could be five years when we start to lose that position. Uh, but I, I certainly know it's going to happen. It's going to happen in the foreseeable future. Uh, I mean, I guess he, he should watch Game Changers to find out when it's going to happen. But I know it's going to happen. It's already in process. Mm. India, Russia, China, Iran, Brazil, and many countries now looking for something to compete with the dollar. And these, these are big names. They got lots and lots of people. Mm. Interesting thought process. Really good stuff. Now, I'm a big advocate of um, mentoring and coaching. And, uh, and, you know, purely because it's something that I got uh, 
when I was very young in order to get successful in my discipline. What's your, uh, from, from some of our listeners and stuff, did you ever have a mentor and a coach when you were younger? And if so, what advice do you have for people that maybe are looking into investing or whatever it is? Do you, do you advise them to, to, to get a, a mentor or a coach? Well, I did not have anyone that I can name or no, the answer is no. But I have often told students, it's okay, it's good to have a mentor because even the mentor is a fool, you'll learn what he does wrong. And if the mentor is a genius, well, actually be smart. It might not be good for you because you'll get easy answers and you, you have to learn to think for yourself and you have to learn how the world really works, not just have somebody say, oh, here, Adam, this is what's going to happen. You need to learn to do that yourself and to make mistakes. So yes, a mentor can be very useful, especially someone who's not so good because you will learn from the mistakes. But even someone who's really good, just be careful because then you get the easy answers and that usually doesn't teach you as much as if you have to do it yourself. Good, some good points there. Some very good points. Um, now you have essentially, Jim, um, pretty much, I mean, you retired at the age of 37. Um, you're now coming into, you're in your late seventies now. What is next for you? I mean, you've achieved pretty much everything that most people would ever dreamed of travel around the world, Guinness world records, you know, savvy investor. I mean, honestly, when I think of that resume, uh, re you know, your curriculum vitae, essentially your, your resume, you, you're thinking to yourself, wow, this guy is like, you know, you've got multiple books in multiple countries in Mandarin, in Japanese. Oh my goodness. What is next for you? Well, I won't repeat. Yeah, some of us help pay the bills. <laughs> but if you, start making if you start making mistakes, I assure you, it won't pay the bills. Uh, what's next for me? Well, Adam, I never wanted to have children. I was adamant that I was never, ever going to have children. I, their children are a horrible waste of time, energy, money. Oh, my God, I feel so <laughs> sorry for my so sorry for my friends who have children. Well, I want you to know I was completely wrong, totally wrong about children. These little girls are the most exciting and wonderful thing that I've ever done. So one word of advice, if there are people who haven't had children and you think you don't want them, reconsider because you will find it is absolutely astonishing and it will teach you a lot, et cetera. It's a game changer if you have children. So for me now, my children, I have two daughters, my children are the most important thing. And I'd rather do whatever I can with them, for them. I don't want to give them too much because that's not good for them. That's a, that's a detriment. True. You make it too easy for people. So for me now, what's next for me are my children. I'd love to go around the world with them. I mean, they, they're not interested right now, but you know, we will see. My focus at this stage are children. I came to this late. I had my first child when I was 60. Um, and now I don't want to miss anything because it's just an absolutely astonishing process. Wow. It's amazing. And what do you, um, is there anything that you're working on right now that, or project wise? I mean, what's in, I mean, you mentioned your family's important to you. Um, what about things like, um, is there anything else that's important to you, Jim? Well, that's the most important. I, I, I've, I've had 
several books in Korea and Japan. I had three bestsellers in Japan in the last two years, but they're in Japanese, so I don't know what they say. You know, I cannot read. <laughs> I cannot read Japanese. I hope they say. I hope whoever the translator was got it right. It's gross. Uh, no, I mean, I always like these things. I've got one coming out in China now and one in Korea as well. Uh, as I say, I don't know what they say. I know what I said, but I don't, I don't, cannot read. So I don't know how they were interpreted. No, these things are fun uh, and of great interest. And I love going around the world, making speeches, et cetera. There hadn't been much of that recently. You know, those of ours. Um, no, I guess I'm looking, my, my daughter's, well, to go back, I'm not really looking because I want to do things with and for my daughters. It's very Love important. It. Very cool. Excellent. Listen, Jim, just want to say thanks very much for being on the show today. I, I really appreciate your time today. I know you're very, very busy, but I felt it was extremely fun and I hope you had fun too. I had a lot of fun, you know, so, you know, Adam Strong knows what he's doing. <laughs> well, I hope so. Anyway, listen, guys, hope you've uh, had some great fun listening to me and Jim Rogers. If you want to connect with Jim and want to follow him on Twitter, you can do so. Uh, you can go to over to his uh, social media Twitter handle. You can li click on the link below. And also you can also click on Jim's website, see what um, see what's happening in Jim's world and things like that. Wait, Adam, if I have a Twitter account, well, I do have all of those accounts, but most of those, some of them are counterfeits, you know, who just use my name. I don't even know about them. Um, I do have a website, but I don't, I don't have anything to sell, Adam. So there's not much. Yeah, I do have a website. I am in the media sometimes. You can buy my books if you want to, but I'm a simple person, you know. That's all good. That's that, that's all good, guys. So if you want to check out Jim's books and you want to go check out what Jim's all about, go to his website. That's the best thing that I can uh, recommend. Just click on the link below. So listen, Jim, thanks very much for being on the show. Guys, hope you've enjoyed today's show and uh, we'll see you again on the next Game Changers experience. Take care and we'll see you soon. That was a lot of fun, Adam. That was yes. a lot of fun. Thank you. Hey, you guys, I just want to say thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the Game Changers Experience. I hope that you got some amazing value, some great insights and golden nuggets that you can implement into your business straight away. I would really, really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review on the button below. Have a fantastic day and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care.